UFOs are being mainstreamed. Why? Plus, we hear what Rod Serling, creator of the original Twilight Zone, has to say on censorship. And finally, we deconstruct some CNN propaganda. You're listening to The Propaganda Report. I'm Brad Binkley here with Monica Perez. Monica, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. I'm fascinated by the fact that UFOs have been in mainstream news more and more lately. And even more fascinated by the fact that many of these mainstream outlets seem to be accepting that these crafts that are being seen by so many Navy pilots and others, they're accepting that these exist. At least they seem to be acting like they are. And I want to talk a little bit about why maybe this is going on, why we're seeing this, and if these claims that these things are real, if they exist, what may be some of the implications For the past two years, really, UFOs have been in the news more and more, especially lately. The DOD acknowledged that they are studying UFOs. They're encouraging people in the Navy to come forward and tell their stories. There's an article in the Washington Post here. UFOs exist, and everyone needs to adjust to that fact. Here's one in the New York Times. Wow, what is that? Navy pilots report unexplained flying objects. Philadelphia Inquirer. Frustrated pilots got Navy to stop dismissing UFO sightings. Vox, the new American religion of UFOs. So UFOs have hit the mainstream, but why? That's really the question. But before we dive into that, I want to quickly say thank you to our Patreons, to everyone who's donated via PayPal, to everyone who has shared the shows on Twitter or other social media, or or everyone who's left nice comments and feedback. It is all of your support, your continued support, that keeps us rolling, and If there's anyone who hasn't donated but would like to, well, technically it's my birthday week. My birthday was was last Sunday, June 9th, and what a perfect time to become a first-time donor or even just a retweet of the show would warm my heart and make me smile. Thank you, everyone, for your continued support. Let's dive in and talk about some UFOs. Sounds good. Okay, so I listen to this Reuters War College podcast sometimes to give you an idea of the type of content that they put out. They describe themselves as a weekly look at the weapons, systems, and tactics that both endanger the world and keep it safe. It's interesting. It has a liberal bias, I think, because the hosts used to be writers for a bunch of major mainstream publications. So there is definitely a propaganda slant to it. I'm actually not even sure what their target audience is for this type of podcast which is something to think about. But there's some interesting stuff in here. And in a recent episode, they talked UFOs with a guy named Ryan Rogaway, who is a military and aviation correspondent and editor of Time Incorporation's The War Zone. And it's an interesting little discussion about where these crafts might have came from and what their capabilities are. So I'm going to start you off with an introduction to... The types of crafts that have been frequently seen by Navy pilots and others. A USO can can you know act like a submarine, right? So it can it can be underneath the water, but um, now we're kind of in this realm, especially with these accounts that you mentioned, where these potential um, craft can maybe move between the two. So um, and that complicates things quite a bit, especially in our minds when we think of very different ideas of craft when we think of something that flies through the air or that travels through uh, the medium of uh, water. 
but but apparently that might not be such a big barrier for whatever technology we're um, we're seeing and what pilots are seeing. Now he said USO to start that clip. USO is one of the. It's like you know how people see crafts. They'll say they see crafts shooting up from the water. Yeah, it's those unidentified submerged object, and what he seems to be saying here, and what has been echoed in other mainstream publications or news outlets as well, is that these things are real. Is that a craft that can shoot into the water and shoot back up out of the water in a split second is real. Think about how crazy that is if that's true. Because usually when a craft goes flying into the water, we call it a, a deadly plane crash. <laughs> right. Well, it reminds me of the Jeffrey Allen Lash story where Jeffrey Allen Lash, I've talked about him before. He was a guy who was found decomposing in his car yeah. in Pacific Palisades or whatever. And he had told his girlfriend that he was dying because he, I believe he said he was a human-alien hybrid. And or he was subject to radiation experiments that he worked for the government. He at the towards the end, all he ate was raw meat. <laughs> yes, true. There are plenty of witnesses to that. And he had legally registered with the DMV as well as all the arms he had that were registered legally, although they could not have been procured under the normal circumstances. He had amphibious vehicles. Now, yeah, I understand right. vehicles are different, but I'm just saying, like, I don't know exactly what they were. I remember that now. Yeah, that's crazy. The, they could go in the water. Yeah, so amphibious vehicles like they had during Normandy were clunky, and they were like tanks that then, you know, could float or and then had like a little propeller on the bottom or however it worked. But I think you hit the nail on the head with like where it would be instantaneous – from inside the water into the air, like just trying to think of how that would be. But yeah. he did. I don't know what his amphibious. I always envisioned that it was some kind of uh, Honda Civic that could float, but maybe yeah. it wasn't. You know, <laughs> his story mystifies like. me it in does. the same way that the story about which I only found in one New York Times article one time about how they separated an atom by I think seven miles. Yeah, and the and the companion subatomic particles that should like act and react in perfect harmony did so yeah. without accounting for a lag time for communication. Right. I mean, those that and Jeffrey Allen Lash are like the two things to me that I'm like, okay, we don't know what's going on in the universe. Gonna, yeah, absolutely. I want to look into that Jeffrey Allen Lash story. I, I remember that. that and there was never Here's any a, real closure to it. No. And there was a major whitewash expose written after a very lengthy article that had just, like, things I knew could not be true yeah. in it. And that was it. And his girlfriend said he said he was a shape-shifting lizard or something like that, right? I, I, that, I read everything there was to read about that guy that had any validity, and she never said that. Mm. She said that he said he was a hybrid. A hybrid, that's right. Okay, I'm going to play you a couple of clips here that gives you an idea of what these crafts look like. And what their capabilities are. Apparently, like 14, 15 years ago, there's an incident called the Nivets incident. Nivets is apparently, uh, I can't remember where it is, but it is like a training area where some of the best fighter pilots train. And 
these fighter pilots started seeing these tic-tac-shaped devices. Back then, one of them, one of the best fighter pilots, even chased it, tried to track it down, and was unable to. And a bunch of them saw it, and apparently this has been going on for the past 14 or 15 years and hasn't stopped. Here is a description of what the craft looks like. It looks like a flying tic-tac, um, as how it's been described. Uh, this is like a 45-foot-long craft, white um, has a couple little antennas underneath it, but beyond that, um, it looks literally something out of this world. And, you know, that's one thing to see that on a targeting pod, a FLIR pod, or even an electro-optical system or whatever, but um, the commander of uh, VF-41, um, a Super Hornet squadron, a very respected guy, uh, he flew in formation with this. He chased this thing within, well within visual range. That guy has been making the news rounds a little bit lately as well, telling his story. Here is some of the capabilities of... I just want to point out one thing before we go on, that I'm assuming this is all BS. Not because I don't believe that alien life is possible or that some people like AT Alien uh, have... You know, have insights that I don't have or experiences I don't have. But I'm assuming that these guys are not telling us a true story because that's not what they're there for. They're there for some other purpose. Mm -hmm. So I like to listen to those stories to see how really truthful some people can sound when when really you don't know if they're telling the truth or not. Like there's there are people out there who are really good at deception. Yeah, something fishy is definitely going on here. I didn't cut clips of this, but they do go on in the podcast to talk about their speculation about whose craft that this is or that these crafts are. And they don't speculate that it's aliens. They they say that they believe that it's most likely uh, like a black budget secret project of ours or that they're China's. So those are the conclusions they kind of ultimately draw and push people towards. Well, just, plus they could be giving us cover. Right. Like, you know, we have this thing. We've always had it. Now we have to tell people. Yeah. They and talk where did it come from yeah, out yeah. of nowhere? They talk about the, how the CIA is to perpetrate UFO stories so that they could have cover for their own black budget projects where they were developing technology. Okay. Here's – okay. Here's – okay. Here's a little bit more about how these crafts operate. The most highly trained observer you could probably have a look at it was aggressively trying to chase it, and it was reacting to that person in real time and doing maneuvers that aircraft, fixed-wing aircraft using, you know, jet engines just are not capable capable of doing, and humans inside would not be able to survive. Um, maybe even electronics inside to a certain extent, too, because uh, of the acceleration and the maneuvers that this thing was seen doing. So this is outstanding evidence. This is not uh, two guys on the side of the ship seeing something at night. Humans would not be able to survive, or technology would not be able to survive, inside of this craft. And it's something we need to take seriously. That's yeah. crazy. I, I wonder if we – did you see if we could see it? Do they have any images of it? Well, that's the thing. All the images that I – I, I oh have a gosh, theory. Oh, my gosh, Bigfoot-style images? I, I have a theory. The images that you see are from a distance or they are – Within within one of those screens, you know, like a fighter pilot screen. Yeah, the art of ambiguity. Yeah, and mm-hmm. they emphasize here with this this guy who chased it. 
that he was able to see it firsthand with his own two eyes. And, and it, what does Google Earth show us? I don't know. I haven't looked at Google Earth. <laughs> you that's know what a good, I mean? Right. That's a good like, question. Everything is surveilled all the time. <laughs> uh, yeah. 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 That's a great point. Yeah. They go on to talk about some of the theories that people have about what the craft is. One being that it's a holographic projection. Another being that it's like a mess up on the radar. Another being that it's some sort of cyber warfare hack. But then they talk about how they don't think that any of those are the case because they believe they believe it's real because of all of the firsthand eyewitnesses and because of the way it reacted to being chased and because it also seemingly or apparently followed them. So they believe it's real because of these things, but I think there's something that – there's another possibility that they haven't considered or that they didn't mention anyway – I don't know if this is, would be plausible at all, but because of the technology that's available, it's worth considering that what they're seeing is augmented reality. Maybe it's some sort of test or something. I, I, I don't know. I don't know where the AR screen would be and the pilot, would, pilot wouldn't know about it, but DARPA is currently working on contact lenses that are augmented reality, so they could probably do it. Maybe they sneak it in the helmet, they put something on the windshield, and then what they would see outside would seemingly be real. If you've looked at any of these augmented reality applications on your phone, it's unbelievable. They could probably do something like this. It could be some sort of test. That's not a high percentage guess. I'm just throwing that possibility in there. Right, right. And uh, that's an excellent point, the fact that it could be a test run for augmented reality because they, ha they I think they do a lot of these tests and make it real. Yeah. So these horrible traumatic events that – that are traumatizing this country, and I sometimes question the official narratives of them. I think some of them, if not all of them, make specific purposes. And and the thing that you're not, not allowed to talk about, Sandy Hook, which I never really studied the way I studied the Boston Marathon bombing, but there, I saw one person being interviewed who – I didn't investigate her. I don't know if it's true or false, but she was saying – that in Sandy Hook, the town in Connecticut, or Newtown or whatever, was is like one of the few centralized outposts of what would be the world government, uh, the world religion, and that really? they do a lot of yes, they do a lot of psychological experiments. And one thing that they had been working on was uh, like grief in a community, like widespread trauma. Yeah. And how people react to that. And that would be something they would want to know. You want to understand that, right? So if you're going to take over the world or start a war for cultural change purposes like the Carnegie Endowment encouraged before World War One, if you want to change the culture and you need to and you plan on using war or some other traumatic experiences, you would want to know how people really react to that. You would have to have an actual experiment and they yeah. would have to believe it. Absolutely. That makes me think of the bridge collapse in Atlanta. Oh, that is what I was thinking of, too. Yeah. Yeah. Some other things have been like that as well. I can't think of them offhand, but one happened fairly recently where I was thinking, this is this is just an experiment. Yeah. Yeah. Like a crisis experiment. They, they want to yeah. practice real time. Yeah. That's interesting. All right. Here's how fast it is. Basically, what you have is these things will be able to go from 80,000 feet down to, you know, sea level in a matter of one or two seconds. <laughs> okay. And that's, that's on radar. 
Um, that's, so once again, we don't have to take that as fact because, yeah, maybe electronic warfare and whatever. Um, who knows? But when it came to the visual sighting, uh, the craft was able to out, well outperform a Super Hornet that was, you know, aggressively chasing it. And then not on top of that, toward the end of that engagement, or actually that, I'd say the end of it, it shot off so fast that it was literally gone in a blink of an eye. So we're talking extreme acceleration. We're not talking, you know, like, like a rocket. We're talking just massive, going from zero to hypersonic in seconds, <laughs> or in, in less than a second. Um, it, some people described it as non-Newtonian. You know, meaning it's not being, you know, gravity is not working in the similar way that we're used to seeing with these objects. That is extraordinary. If this if this stuff really exists, that is extraordinary. That's but they just talk about it so nonchalantly. How many miles is 80,000 feet? Isn't that like 15 miles? I have no idea. Isn't a mile is a mile just 15,000 feet? I mean, 5,000 feet. So. I mean, is it is he saying it's going like 16 miles in two seconds and they're seeing this? That's what it sounds like. I got the feel that it was kind of like hovering and then would yeah. fly. So and then, but I don't know how somebody could chase it if it's five, going that right. Fast. It's five. So there's five thousand feet in one mile, and he just said eighty thousand feet. Five goes into eighty. 16 times, I think. Right. I mean, I'm trying to sanity check this. So he's saying it goes 16 miles in two seconds, and I'm just trying to think how you observe that. Non-Newtonian. I don't but know I mean, how fast how he these fighter pilots it? We're Newtonian. How are you not observing this? How are you observing this? How's the guy chasing it? Is it not always going full tilt? Yeah, must be. Mm-hmm. And I have no idea how fast that, that – the guy who was chasing it, he was apparently in one of the top crafts that, that exist. So their speeds are going to be high as well, but obviously not. Not that. I mean that's extraordinary. That that is world changing technology, and, and I I don't even doubt that technology like that might exist. I, I it wouldn't. I've always been of the opinion that as time moves on, the further the gap between the technology that exists and the technology that we are aware that exists is. Oh yeah, I mean that's what I think. My sister just sent me an email or whatever a headline that said. Oh, 5G is going to mess with weather reporting, weather prediction. I yeah, was like, oh, I I've been waiting for them to make up an excuse for why they can't predict the weather since all like weather prediction models do not account for solar radiation management, which is a thing they are definitely doing, yeah. which screws up the freaking weather. And and if you I mean, it's just they it's supposed to be a sunny day or it's supposed to rain and all of a sudden it's different. Real different. Yeah. And I thought, how are they going to explain that? And then she's like, oh, 5G is doing it. I'm like, oh, no, it's not. But yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what they're going to say. And same thing with this is that they have to explain their – I mean, if they're 10 or 15 years ahead of us from what we know. At least, yeah. I mean, wow. This right here, anybody who has access to this technology would – and they, they kind of suggest it might be China spying on us. Anybody who has access to that, China could just dominate us easily if they had a bunch of these and we did not. Well, then by all means, we need to change into a totally fascist society run by technocrats so we can beat them. (laughs) There you go. Maybe that's it. Using all the technology we gave them. Yeah, and you know what else this does? That's a great point. That's a a great – that's the same argument kind of for 5G is we need to do what we can to push this stuff through so that we can continue to compete with China. 
I'm interested to see what th- this has been slowly leaking out. Not leaking out, but this has been slowly being this stuff's been reported on kind of on the back burner for the past couple of years, starting with I think it was 2017 that the New York Times reported on where it was discovered that we had been putting like $22 million a year into investing or into uh, researching, you know, alien ships. And then there was the whole thing about how we had captured one of them and we had some of this material from a ship in in a warehouse somewhere in Las Vegas, material that was not known to any other. Not Area 51? No. The desert out there? No, they do talk about Area 51. But or maybe this is Area Fifty One Las Vegas. Maybe it's, it's around there. Maybe maybe that is the it's warehouse in New Mexico. they're talking about. I mean, Vegas is in Nevada, but I just remember hearing that story and that that detail in it, where it said that we had we had captured one of one of these crafts and it had materials that previously was not known to man. And I'm like, why isn't this just a major major story? Why is it so nonchalantly being put out there by the New York Times well, and then being forgot about, essentially, if yeah. this is true? To, to me, it looks like I have noticed this phenomenon of parallel truth, <laughs> parallel truths. So, like, when FoxNews.com had the story where people who make movies in Hollywood said unequivocally that the Libyan... Uh, cops who were beheaded by ISIS was definitely a green screen fake with a loop in it and everything else that it was just absolutely not real. Yet Fox News continues to this day to report that yeah. story as if it were real. Or yeah. like when a story like Charlie Hebdo's story morphed, evolved, sort of the Boston Marathon bombing, evolved from day to day in the same newspapers with no reference of being a correction or anything like that. Yeah. So I think they can put stuff out there and just ignore it. Yeah, when they flood us with all this other information. Yeah, and Easter eggs for people who are looking for it. Absolutely. That's and then if they, if they get busted, they can say, oh, well – Whatever, it's not true, or we didn't. There's a retraction somewhere. Or that editor was a nut job. I don't know. It's amazing. I mean, I did almost. For, I see. Right about the time I just about forget that UFOs are being mainstreamed, there will be more news about UFOs being mainstreamed. So that's a great point. They put it out there. They let it sit, then they flood us with a bunch of other stuff, and then we'll forget about it. And then right as we're forgetting about something, bam. Comes back into the news for a little while. I think that I think that's the case for a lot of these major kind of rolodex of issues mm-hmm. that they hit us with. These last few on this are pretty funny. CIA and, and you know the powers that be. We know for a fact, openly and actively perpetuated UFO myths throughout the Cold War to um, guard their own clandestine aircraft projects. Because, you, you know, <laughs> somebody sees an SR-71 or an A-12 huh. in the sky, it's easy to just laugh them off. as oh, you saw a UFO, another UFO guy. Um, <laughs> and who knows what else? Like I say, we still don't know what's all come out of that. So there has been a playbook for this. Is it being actively – is this an information warfare campaign? I have no idea. Definitely something to be aware of, and there could be layers of it. Maybe Big Navy doesn't know what it is. Maybe deep inside uh, aspects of the government, they do. I have no idea. The guy they're talking about was just interviewed on Vice News like yesterday, the pilot, the one who chased it down or attempted to chase it down. Mm -hmm. And he's been 
going on the interview circuit on the mainstream networks. The Department of Defense recently came out and has been encouraging other Navy pilots to come forward. It's just kind of bizarre how open it's been, and, and I'm seeing nothing disputing it, nothing disputing that these crafts are being seen doing what they say that they're doing. So a universal agreement seems to be emerging that these superhuman aircrafts that look like a tic-tac that no human or no human technology could survive in that dart in and out of the water <laughs> at, at speeds that you know break all the science that we know, yeah, they just exist and maybe it's China. No big deal. I mean this would change the world if this is true. 5G, yeah. give me a yeah. break. Yes, that you know does I mean? point out that the news has nothing to do with what's newsworthy. Right. This would be tw- this should be 24/7 coverage for like a week. Yeah, let's if get this to stuff the bottom is true. of the TikTok UFO. Yeah, and what can we do with this technology? What are the possibilities? I don't this worry about it. Yeah, this was I remember a year or two ago, it was in the news, just like Yeah, that. this that's the article I was talking about. Tucker Carlson talked about it a little bit too. Yeah. It all started with a New York Times article, which I think this week it might have been the New York Times also. I love this one too. What? All right, so I just Googled the Tic Tac UFO. Yeah. And it says when Top Gun's tangled with the ba- baffling TikTok, it began. Okay, so that that article is May sixteenth, twenty nineteen. But the original, so there's one from May twenty fourth, two thousand eighteen. Uh, it says so one year ago. The article in Vice is the Pentagon released new do- documents about the TikTok UFO. Yeah. Uh, weird. All right, listen to this one. We've had a black budget that's gone on for, what, 70-some years, you know, tens of billions a year dropped into it. Um, We've seen very little come out of that um, as far as hard, like, you know, operational machines, flying machines. And, and of course, the Defense uh, Department and their contractors are going to be interested in the holy grail of aerospace propulsion. Of course they are. So maybe somewhere along the line they got lucky. It's quite possible. Maybe it's very hard to replicate. Maybe it's a very, you know, uh, you know, it's very. You can't necessarily build a lot of them, but maybe they did. I, 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 there's no way. We have no evidence to say they didn't. Okay, <laughs> and there's a lot of also, you know, over over the years, people that have come out of the the dark side of the aerospace sector have made mentions that you know we've done incredible things that are very locked up in um, compartmentalized programs, and you know we probably won't see them for a very long time, if ever. I mean, how many aircraft are supposedly just buried out at Area 51? You know, they're literally in the ground. Uh, once they're done with them, it's cheaper to do that than, you know, than get rid of them otherwise. Let's get a search party <laughs> and go dig those things now, up. Now, this guy is sounding like he's baiting people. That's crazy. Yeah. How many aircraft are buried out at Area 51? It might be true, but you're right. That's putting out a, a little seed out there to bait somebody. Yeah. Because if there are aircrafts buried at Area 51, then there's a lot of money buried at Area 51. Yes. I just yes. thought that so, was nuts when I heard that. So this thing on the USS Nimitz was in 2004. Yes. And, but it, it, Nimitz. I think that's right. Yeah, he was like – Nimitz was a World War II admiral, I think. But he 
so they I think they named it after maybe I'm wrong, but uh, but it says that it wasn't discussed until 2015. Yeah. Okay, so we don't know what really. No, but apparently they've still been seeing these. They they're even seeing these. They talk about how these are also being seen in theater, which they mean war, I presume. And they talk about all the where there's conflict, how they're showing up, and it's it seems like. The Tic Tacs are following the aircrafts to these war zones, watching and then disappearing. Don't think because something looks amazing or has amazing capabilities, a technological piece of gear of any type that is just you know landed here from another planet. Um, we spend a lot of money in the dark. <laughs> we shovel it in the, into dark spaces to develop very, very you know in hopes of developing very exotic technologies. We shovel it in the dark. <laughs> this guy is, he's definitely creating some imagery. Yeah. There's a lot of propaganda going on here, but I wonder what truth there is to it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing is that, of course, it's, there's truth in it. You so, know, I don't know if there's truth in that, but there's some a purpose for sure. Right. So I just thought that was interesting. I thought it's interesting that now it's being accepted that, you know, potentially the deadliest war machine that's ever existed but is... the implications <laughs> of there being a ufo like that are unbelievable and, and like how so you get on judge judy or whatever you get on shep smith and you say oh did you hear about the tic tac ufo oh yeah yeah They're and he good. says one of two things you're an idiot get off my set true or not you're not allowed to say unpatriotic things like that yeah or he says yes i've heard all about it um, let's talk about that. Uh, what are the implications? Like, right. Well, the implications are that there is at least one alien species that is so far in advance of us, we can't conceive of their technology, and they are here. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So that's that's what or, this means. Yeah, yeah. Or China's going to dominate us very soon. Or or. or yeah, that's what's up in China. Yeah. <laughs> so they're here and they're staying. <laughs> like yeah. there's no hope that they're just checking us out. They're here. We work for them now. <laughs> you know, we better hope they just want to enslave us and not digest us. Yeah, and it's so crazy because the ta- the it, the question usually centers around is it alien or is it Black budget right. or China. Instead of it what are the implications matter. of this being real? <laughs> yes, exactly. Whoever has it, it doesn't matter where they're from. It doesn't matter because <laughs> unless this person is the only one who has ever defied the rule, absolute power corrupts absolutely, yeah. we are effed. And, and oh, by the way, it's either history's most deadly and sophisticated drone since no person as we know it can even yes, ride inside yes, of it or yes. there's some new type of suit of armor yes. if we are to assume it is the Chinese. Or it's AI, yeah. Like AI. it's a self-directed there you go. There you drone go. because you can't control 80,000 feet in two seconds. You're not doing that. I hadn't thought of that. It could be rogue AI for <laughs> all we know. <laughs> oh my gosh, the rise of the machines. Yeah. Yes, that's wow. it. That's it. That we better be hunt. They, they have like whatever, like a million satellites up there now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, aren't there like, isn't it just like Wally at this point? They're probably reproducing for all every... we know. I saw some. Can we yeah. see a picture of like, do we actually go out into space? Could we actually get a bird's eye view of satellites in space? That's a good question. I have a, a cool TV that goes to 
like a screensaver, and the screensaver is satellite images yeah. of stuff. So like you'll watch and you'll be like, what is that? It's like, oh, it's Moscow from space. Oh, or really? That's cool. Whatever. Yeah, that's the magnetosphere, which is my favorite sphere. And uh, it's like the northern lights. You can just see this. The, so you know my fascination with this, right? Like the Earth is a spinning magnet. Yeah. And it, shoots the magnetosphere out of its poles, yeah, which yeah. makes me believe that Tesla did, in fact, just stick a straw in that because <laughs> that's electricity. Yeah. And that's why we have an atmosphere, and that's why it's – that, to me, is the most – is the greatest barrier to the consideration of alien life is that other planets don't have that. Yeah. So from this bird's-eye view on my screensaver – it's you can see it. You can see like the sun reflecting off it, and it's just like this halo around the Earth. That's super cool. Really, that's yeah. awesome. But I want to see it. I want to see the satellites dotting the blue planet. Well, you know here. what we need? We need that technology that the father of that woman who was lost in the Hawaiian forest used to track her down. The, the Google Earth five G that he used to track her down. Because you know they have that. I mean, if they have this, then. They can see they can see through our skin from probably outer space if they have <laughs> right. this. They can definitely implant thoughts directly into Absolutely. our brains. <laughs> yeah. if, if this stuff exists, then all of our worst fears of what they could do, they, they can already do it. Right. I'm not seeing like a picture of the Earth with a bunch of satellites rotating around it. Is that like are they too tiny to actually be able to see, you think? I don't like, know. Is there no chance of being able? Because you, do you remember? Maybe the, they're you, nano. Maybe they're flying around our heads right now. But you probably never saw the movie Wally. It's, I did see it. It's like a kid's thing. So they show a picture of the Earth just blanketed with satellites. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. Okay. Maybe NASA. The All NASA right, so website has something. I'm looking at a picture. It's not what I was hoping for, but it's a picture of a satellite, and in the background are one, two, three, four, five other satellites. Yeah. So I'm just wondering if the Earth is actually completely shrouded in satellites. Probably. That that's really what's up there. And that, yeah, they and talk about the 5G is going to use all these satellites. That they're, they're yeah, and I mean, Wally could have been predictive programming. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> revelation of the method. Sorry to derail you. No, you're I good. Just, you're good. You know, aliens. I love the alien stuff, but for now we're going to move on. I'm going to continue to track this subject for any interesting findings. Uh, this is kind of a non sequitur clip, but I could I could not not play this. Okay. So, I just have to say Google SpaceX's Starlink constellation proposal. Okay. <laughs> it's a freaking net around the entire Earth. With a satellite, like, in every corner of the grid. It's a prison planet. I just mean, like the Anunnaki. No, but this just proves, like, what... If you can imagine it, it definitely exists. A net around the Earth. So if we fall off anywhere, we're fine. We're going to fall in this net in space. Uh, kind of. <laughs> Is that the, What's the purpose of this net? It's terrible looking. Well, um, oh, Tesla's autopilot. It's like GPS, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. So the earth from a distance is going to look like an, an old woman getting her hair done. That's exactly what it looks like. And I'm going to send you a picture and you can put it in the show notes for everyone's edification. 
Oh, my goodness. All right. I'll stop derailing you. No, you're good. You're good. I love this subject. Okay. So last night or a couple nights ago, Samuel Jackson was on Stephen Colbert. Stephen Colbert, you know, the propagandist uh, Mm -hmm. of late night. He Mm -hmm. no longer does comedy. Here's what – He did comedy? He did once a long time ago. He he did he did comedy. I don't once. know. He's never made me laugh. And now, now he just does uh, <laughs> CNN headlines in the form of what slightly resemble punchlines. I try to say like if you're not like if you're like I was just kidding. It's like you know what if nobody's laughing, it's not a joke. Yeah, <laughs> he gets a lot of claps when when he says things his audience agrees with, or his audience is just responding to the yeah. uh, clapping is not stage, stage producer. Mm-hmm. Okay, so here's what Samuel Jackson had to say when asked about the candidates so far for 2020. Have you looked at the, the, the crop of challengers to the president? Or is there anybody out there who really afloats your boat? Not yet. No? Too no. early or I you just haven't seen I, 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 don't, I just haven't been inspired by what everybody's trying to do, say, prove, whatever. Um, I kind of wish somebody as... Uh, people friendly in my mind as Stacey Abrams was running. Yeah, she's very, she's very people friendly. I kind of wish that, but mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm definitely voting with the resistance, whatever happens. <laughs> so I guess a lot, there's a lot in that trip to Hollywood. A lot in that quote right there. <laughs> yeah. A lot. Stacey Abrams is creating a demand for herself everywhere she turns. The media is helping her. Now Samuel Jackson's helping her. I feel like if I were to watch Pulp Fiction again, that it will have been re-edited. And the scene in the diner at the end, when he said, when he tells uh, the guy to get his wallet out of the bag and says, the one that says bad motherfucker on it. I feel like that line is now, which one's your wallet? The one that says Stacey Abrams on it. Because <laughs> yes. she is everybody's. It just, as we were speaking, I just got a flash from AJC three minutes ago. With the Stacey Abrams headline. Really? What's it say? It says, uh, Stacey Abrams urges film execs to stay in Georgia despite heartbeat law. But, I mean, that was old news. That was from last week. Why is it flashing across my screen right now? They were reporting on that again today. I guess her meeting wrapped up, and she has saved the film industry in Atlanta. Oh, my gosh. Thank goodness. She's so right. She's so level-headed. They were all going to leave until she stepped in. You know— she is a leader. Yeah, she should. She saved all these jobs, and she is now going to get them to fight against this, you know, this war on women that George is conducting. A war on women is what and they're voters. Calling. Yeah, war and on voters, women. And which voters. is funny because John Ossoff was robbed, and I don't know what happened in the 2016 election, but the the actual provable cases is she ever going to prove? But did I mention to you why I thought I didn't catch it in real time when you were playing those clips for me of her meeting at, I guess, the CFR, the Royal Institute of International Affairs, the Chatham House, whatever you played me those clips. And we talked about her being a created person. And I I don't know if I mentioned it since then on a podcast or whatever, is that she was saying Biden should kiss my ring if he wants yes. my opinion. And I absolutely believe, I, I realize in retrospect that they are, her creation, the, the creation that they're going for is the leader, which is dovetails perfectly with her not deciding to run for the Senate because she said that means being part of a team and doing a lot of work. And there's this old adage that I like to refer to from time to time that a person who's... uh Smart and lazy is born for command, 
And like the smart and diligent person should have a high staff position and stupid and lazy you can put anywhere, but stupid and diligent you have to fire immediately because yeah. it can really cause problems. So she's being create. She's the, she, her entire persona is around being a leader. So now right. she's using judgment. She's level headed. She's negotiating. She's effective. Right. She's a leader. She commands respect. People defer to her. She is not a part of a team. She leads a team. Etc. It's yeah, all yeah. coming together. And yeah, people totally. friendly. People friendly? Not at all. They're, I mean, they're, they're really stretching on that aspect of it. Yeah, it's tough with that. She's probably just so smart they can't do without her. AOC is much is doing much better job acting. If she were older, AOC relatable. would be. Absolutely, yes. I agree with and that. And if it wasn't. If it what if it's not Stacey Abrams in my in my opinion that is going to be and I think it's going to be I think the next person that they would throw in there is Hillary Clinton outside of <laughs> Stacey Abrams. I, well, I think it's going to be Stacey and Pete Buttigieg. I think that's the ticket. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Hillary would be uh, because hitting all the highlights. Yeah, what they want is to maximize the tension, to maximize the drama between the two candidates, and that's either going to be a rematch. Or it's going to be these two characters that just oppose each other at an extreme level. I don't either. I think it's Stacey Abrams, but yeah, um, yeah Hillary. Hillary would. Uh, Hillary started putting herself out there again lately. Uh, a little more. Well, here's and more. the thing. I heard on the news today, yesterday, whatever. They said Biden, Warren, and Sanders, maybe not in that order, are like the the three leaders. And I'm thinking, yeah, right. <laughs> old white people, like yeah. you've been spending yeah, yeah. all of this time. Ginning it up for intersectionality. I mean, any there's like 57 genders, and you're taking three straight white old people yeah. from the liberal establishment. I mean, it just how that is not capitalizing at all on all the hard work that has gone into the resistance. So clearly, yeah. those people are straw man or red herrings, whatever you call it. Like they're out in front just to be knocked down. They're, they're showing everybody how bad of candidates they are, which is going to show them even more how badly they need Stacey Abrams, who's out solving problems. Oh, and she's not even in office. Yeah, right they're now. all Hillary, who's a loser. Yeah. Right. So the Hillary thing is to make it clear. Oh, would you want another Hillary? No. Would you want a Biden or a Warren or a Sanders? Oh, yeah. Obviously not. <laughs> so but the people friendly thing that. That imagery that is affixed to her is, is to me such a demonstration of, of it's, I, I think hypnotism is real, but Penn and Teller, who are good at debunking stuff for another reason than to get to the bottom of things, they debunked hypnotism once and their argument was, everyone, like in a sideshow or a magician show or whatever, who acts hypnotized, is just going along with it. It's what you call like that halo of truth or something. Halo effect. Yeah, halo effect. No, but you say it's it's like that spiral of silence. Yeah, spiral of silence. People don't want to say anything. Cause yeah, they, so yeah. everyone's kind of pretending that they see what you see, the emperor's new clothes kind of thing. Like everybody's like, okay, I guess. I mean, I guess that's right. Or they just don't, the reality of it is not important at all. It's that they, they're told yeah. to say it, just they're told to see it and they probably see it. They probably do because what hit, what it does when people are quote unquote hypnotized is it gives them permission to act in a way to cut loose even that they would never otherwise do and have an excuse for it. 
So you don't believe in hypnotism either? I think that you can be hypnotized. I, I don't think it's – I think that the way that it's uh, – the way that it's perceived by most people, I don't know if that's how it is. Got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that, yes, that I, I do right. think people can be hypnotized. And I mean being in love is, is, is being yeah. hypnotized. You know? Yeah, and I mean they, they, they certainly have experimented with mind control techniques, which right. is – basically that but is it yeah. like you wave a clock in front of somebody and they bark like a dog I yeah think. and i've been wa- binged watched before so i've been hypnotized by netflix a number of times where i'm just sitting there going i, I don't need to watch another episode but i I've played got munch's to know odyssey for three days you did what i played munch's odyssey for three days is Straight. that a game a video game munch's odyssey yeah they they hypnotize people so yes yeah. i do believe in, in yes, hypnotize. yes. In fact, we're hypnotized all the time, really. Um, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. That's what it, that's what they're doing with all this propaganda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That invades our mind. So, oh, wait. Have- sorry, wrong. Okay, so I have to play this for you because it's just such an absurd clip from Brian Stelter of CNN's Reliable Sources, the most unreliable source in network news. <laughs> It's like the no spin or no spin zone of Riley O'Reilly and the uh, politically incorrect. I just remember watching those two things for the first time because I was like, "Oh, no spin!" I was like, "This is all spin." <laughs> politically incorrect. It's like this is totally politically it, yeah. correct. <laughs> yeah, it's just. I mean, it's every, aggressively politically. Aggressively, correct. yeah. Every single week, Stelter presents himself to be this journalist who only cares about the truth, and then he goes on to disseminate some of the most blatant and oftentimes subtle, which is kind of hidden behind the blatant propaganda. Mm-hmm. But none of it, it, all it is, all of it creates a false reality. And some of it's just like, this is unbelievable. That it, it worries me that anybody would buy some of the stuff that he's putting out there. Because you got to be seriously, seriously mind-controlled to not say, wait a minute, even if I don't like Trump at all, that's bullshit. In this clip I'm about to play, Stelter illustrates this BS and illustrates his journalistic integrity. He calls Trump a liar. He says he lies like a fire hose. And then he goes on to provide his evidence, his examples, to support his conclusion that Trump lies. Yeah, Trump does lie. But the way that Stelter presented that Trump lies like a fire hose and then presents as evidence, the evidence has to support the conclusion. So listen to the evidence he gives in support of his assertion that Trump lies like a fire hydrant. (laughs) Sometimes he just lies over and over again like water (laughs) erupting from a fire hydrant. For, For example, he said or tweeted no obstruction at least 36 times in May. That's more than once a day, even though Mueller has supplied plenty of obstruction y evidence. Did you hear that? That new standard of evidence? Obstruction-y evidence? Trump's a liar. Here's my proof. He tweeted – a a guy who's not been indicted for obstruction tweeted a bunch of times that he did not obstruct. But I know that's a lie because of all of Mueller's obstruction-y evidence. Did he rattle it off? No. He moved on to his next point. That was all of his evidence. Obstructiony evidence. You don't need evidence of obstruction when you have obstructiony evidence. But we don't want to get into the details. Just take my word for it. That guy's a fire hydrant. That's un. Yeah, <laughs> that's unbelievable. 
And there was a RAND study published in 2016 called The Russian Model of Propaganda, which they titled The Fire Hose of Falsehood. So there was strategic nice. use in his language there. Yeah. Obstructiony evidence. I mean, that this is a that person. That was strategic. What was that again? Read that again. Do what? Oh, the the fi- RAND study was from when? 2016. And it says. It's the called fire the fire hose of falsehood is the Russian model of propaganda. And wow. Then, then when you read that document, wow. you are reading exactly what our media does to us every single day. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised every if they day. actually put stuff out and just change the names. Yeah, I was going to go through some of that document today, but we're not going to have time. But we can do it next week because I was my jaw dropped <laughs> at this document. It talks about well, then how he used that metaphor, yeah. that imagery. It's amazing. Right. That's what made That's me go back to a it. Fire hydrant, a fire hose. I mean, like, right. When pretty he's, much. Yeah, yeah. Clear. Because I remember that study and I hadn't read it yet. And then right. when he said that, I was like, okay, I'm going to go back and read this thing now. Wow. <laughs> I read it. Like, it, the thing ends with a suggestion on how to stop Russian propaganda. And the suggestion, one, the, one of the main suggestions is to, um, Cut off the stream of information by getting social media companies to restrict their ability to post on their platforms. So all the stuff that's going on right now. Yeah. It's crazy. It is. Okay. I do have a – you know, I got to play this other Stelter one. Then we'll go on the other <laughs> one. We'll make, it's just so bad. Okay. All right. Here's two. I'm going to play two quick ones here. This is Stelter transitioning from one topic to another and insulting most Americans at the same time. Commentators came out and said Mueller's statement was so powerful, it showed why he should be back on TV, why he should testify in front of Congress. People don't read, they said. People watch. Well, we do know one person who always watches and seemingly never reads, and he seemed really upset about Mueller's on-camera statement. For President Trump, uh, television is the cornerstone. It is his guide. So the Mueller thing, what's going on there? We talked about this a little bit Saturday. Is they don't want us reading. They don't want people to read. They, right. they want him to testify. Who actually said that? Him, right? Yeah, that was Stelter. No, but I mean he was the one who said. Oh, that he doesn't want to testify? He doesn't want to read it. Wait, is that what he just said in that thing? Is that the one that you were talking about? No. Uh, Play it again. Yeah. Commentators came out and said Mueller's statement was so powerful, it showed why he should be back on TV, why he should testify in front of Congress. People don't read, they said. People watch. Well, we do know one person who always watches and seemingly never reads, and he seemed really upset. He was saying that commentators have been saying that. No, but you said on the show on Saturday, the WSB show, that someone called for him to be on TV. Oh, yeah. Was that him? Was that this quote that you were referring no, to? No, this isn't the one I was referring to. There are, there's been a bunch of commentators and Indivisible is sending out emails to, we have to get Mueller to testify. So they're, they're pushing hard for it. At least they're acting like they're pushing hard for it. And he was, him and some other networks all did stories on why Mueller needs to testify because Americans don't read. And just on the surface, you might say, Okay, people don't have time to read it or whatever. It doesn't come off as insulting. But then when he says, here's someone else who seemingly never reads this idiot, President Trump. He, by saying that, he kind of, in a backwards way, insulted everyone who hasn't read the Mueller report by taking, making a snide little comment at Trump like that. 
You right, know and I mean? of course, holding himself up as if he's some intellectual he's yeah. or paragon of integrity when clearly he's just a, a talking head propagandist. And he knows he's lying, too. You don't say stuff like obstruction uh, evidence <laughs> and not know that you're lying. That's an intentional – he said that – he said it that way because it gives him um, – because he can say he didn't lie, and his audience is going to take away, oh, there's plenty of evidence of obstruction to convict. So he says obstruction of evidence. His audience takes it a different way, and he can get right. away with a plausible deniability. That's how they always do that. That's how they try to do that a lot. Now, well, it used to be to cover yourself libel-wise, but I don't even think Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. there is any of that. <laughs> so at the end of that clip, and it, I'll, it, I'll play it again at the beginning of this one, he says that Trump is guided by TV, right? Again, we're going to go to the evidence that he he's about to list off three pieces of evidence to support his claim that Trump is guided. His decisions are guided by TV. Maybe they are. But the evidence, if you're going to make the claim, you know, give your evidence. And the evidence he gives, here's how it comes up. He lists what Trump does. Trump does blank, blank, and blank, and as he is saying it, he's standing in front of a giant screen, which looks like a, a, a picture frame, a graphic screen, and as he says it, images fly up on the background that are on the screen for like a split second. He gestures to the image as Trump does blank, guided by TV, gestures to the image. The image is gone. The only way you see what these images are or what they say is if you pause it and go back and pause it again. So here's what his evidence is, and I'm going to stop it, and I'm going to, I'm going to describe the image that is his evidence to support his claim. For President Trump, uh, television is the cornerstone. It is his guide. He hires people off of TV sometimes. Okay, he hires people off of TV. Now there's an image that flies oh, up on the screen. that's what Kudlow is about. Do what? That's what Kudlow – I wondered why he made Kudlow his economic advisor It's so people could – emphasize that all he cares about is watching Fox. Oh, is is Kudlow the guy who was just announced? Kudlow last year. Oh, okay. Yeah, was, yeah. Or, you know, less than one year ago was his economic advisor, but he was a TV host. Yeah, I remember that now. He got a – and he's from Fox. And Okay, so the image that pops up on the screen back there, it's it's of a headline that reads, Trump is expected to tap Ken – Kushalini for top DHS role on immigration. And, and who is that? I don't know. It's somebody who was recently tapped for that what's, role. What's the? How do you spell it? C u c c i n e l l i. Now the claim, the the premise again, Trump is guided by what he sees on TV, and then the evidence of this is a headline, a headline from CNN's website. That says Trump is expected to tap Ken Kushalini for top DHS role on immigration. So Stelter gestures to this as evidence that Trump is guided by what he – he gestures to an image of CNN's website as proof that Trump is guided by what he sees on TV. That's the first problem with that. They don't even show something that has anything to do with television right? as evidence. No, I'm looking it up. He's He was the attorney general in Virginia. The second thing is – the content, Trump is expected to tap Ken Kushalini for top DHS role. I guess the premise here is that Trump was sitting around and he was watching TV. And for some reason, he saw an image of CNN's uh, website headline on television. And he said, oh, my gosh, if the television is expecting me to tap Ken Kushalini, I better go ahead and do it. That, that, that's got to be the premise as opposed to maybe 
he was going to do it, and then it got you know spilled. Yeah, yeah. It's just un- and he does, it, and the the images move so quickly that y- you don't see it. But the people watching who want to believe it don't care. To them, it's it's hard evidence. Here's the, here's the next one. Very intelligent people fall for this stuff. I and mean, when I see yeah. <clears throat> lawyers and people my age, not you know, not college kids, are, are they they're saying they're talking about the Mueller report. They're they're spouting off this stuff, and I'm like, I don't believe there's any or Russian collusion. They're talking, about. yeah, they're talking about all that stuff. And I'm like, what what does it even mean? And they're like, what do you mean? What are we going to do? We got to get rid of this guy. It's Russian collusion. I said, even if he did, even if he did, yeah, even yeah. if even if. Obama were born in Africa. Who yeah. gives a crap? That's not the problem. The problem is what people are ushering in. The problem is defend your rights. I mean, yeah. I, I'm not saying that you would want unqualified people in the office of president. I'm just saying they're hysterical. Over this nonsense. Yeah, they're whipped into a frenzy. Right. And, and this onslaught of stuff, when you have a whole show about this – and you just feed this stuff into people's minds over and over again. They're not – and they want to believe it. They're not stopping to check any of it. They're taking all of this – he could, he could have put flashed an image of uh, hand-drawn penises up on the screen, <laughs> and it wouldn't have made a difference because people are just shaking their head going, yep, there it is. I, I saw the hand-drawn penis. That's all the evidence I need that Trump they has got about They think they saw something else. Yeah, they think they saw evidence. Right. Here, I'll play the rest of it and tell you what the images were. Fires people based on what he hears on TV. And he shapes his policies and makes very expensive decisions based on TV. Remember the government shutdown? Okay, so he says, remember the government shutdown. And mm-hmm. the image on the TV or on the uh, screen behind him that he gestured to is a headline that says, how Rush Limbaugh and Ann Coulter goaded Trump closer to a government shutdown. Now, maybe that's true. Maybe that can be proven. Uh, but the headline comes from the magazine GQ. GQ is the same magazine that paid Keith Oberman for a year to say the most vile things about Trump and his family and call hmm. him a treasonous traitor hmm. on YouTube. Really? So GQ? Yeah. That was a GQ web series. Really? Yeah, so they've proven what they're willing to pay for and yet their headline, which there was I looked at the article, there was no actual evidence to prove it other than that uh, they talked about it. So these are all – And Rush is not on TV. Yeah, he's not. You're right. Sure I didn't even think about that. Yeah. He's not. Uh, so yeah, that, that's – and the same thing with the other one, the the second – when he fires people, they, they showed a, a headline about Lou Dobbs that was like written by the Daily Beast. So there's all these, all these very biased publications. Yet mm-hmm. these are the evidence that are supporting the claims that are the basis of the entire – you know, 10-minute mm-hmm. segment they're about to go into. But it's funny because he's doing – he is talking to people who believe nonsense off of TV because yep. he's spewing nonsense. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he's trying to make people be guided by by him on TV. Right, yes. and to feel like they're superior somehow to someone who does exactly what they are doing at that moment. Yes, <laughs> not to mention right before that he had talked about how Trump never reads and then he's flashing a bunch of headlines that have to be read for anyone to be guided by. And there and he was it started out with that last clip and also what you were talking about is they were all saying people are too stupid, nobody reads. We need Mueller to just say inflammatory things. Vague and unverifiable things to because people don't read. Yeah. So they're they're insulting the very people they're appealing to. Absolutely. I, absolutely. 
I have a couple more of those, but I want to go into the other stuff if we have time at the end. I'll play the other ones. I just if you want to like a if you want to just do like a an exercise in spotting logical fallacies and clips that are just completely cut and pulled out of con- twisted and pulled out of context and just real some real gymnastics to reframe things and, and, and intentional misinterpretation. That's a, that's really a go to on Brian Stelter's show is. Blatantly intentional misinterpretation of things. It's just a great, it's a great like little critical exercise and seeing if you can catch all the little propaganda technique Easter eggs that he's filling in through there. It's like a game sometimes <laughs> watching that show. So I want to play a couple of these. Clips. You know what would be fun is to actually print out a list of the logical fallacies. Yeah. Like from a debate textbook or something. Yeah, yeah. And just like how many a drink every time there's a logical we, we fallacy. We would be getting hammered before <laughs> the first commercial break. Maybe that's what's really going on. Possibly. It could it make actually a bingo be- card out of that. Though. That'd be fun. <laughs> yes, yes. We have a new game on our hands here. <laughs> yeah, like have the host and then have the fallacy. Yeah. On the two axes? Yeah, yeah. And then... That, see, that'd be a good use of YouTube live stream right there. We all play bingo? Yeah, everybody watching plays bingo. And, I don't and think they're going to have live stream like that anymore. There's going to be something. They're trying to figure that yeah. out. Like, Or maybe they just want to censor it in in such short time. So what do we? how do we do it on the radio? We have a dump button. It's like an eight-second dump button. Yeah. I just feel like they're going to have to be able to do it that way, and then it's going to be hard. To- oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They have made some adjust- adjustments to it. I don't know. I don't know what they are. Okay. So Rod Serling did an interview with Mike Wallace shortly before the original X Files came out. Rod Serling is the creator of the original X Files and the host, not to be confused with the worst show that's ever been on television. The new X Files, which no, is Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone, not X Files. Sorry, thank you. X Files. X Files is fine. Twilight Zone. <laughs> the new Twilight Zone is the worst piece of trash I've ever seen in my life. The old one is fantastic, and yeah, agreed. I haven't seen the new one because I'm scared of it. Because you, I wanted to do a quick, uh, kind of spoilery, spo- spoilery review of the episodes uh, before the shows. Like I'm like a really quick. Minute long because they're really, really terrible. And you should do clips. Just tell people that they're spoilers. It's poison to people's minds, is what it is. So yeah, it's a good idea. He's asked about why he. They talk a little bit about censorship, and and it's kind of relevant to what we're seeing today. What year? This is, I believe, 1957 or 1958. And he is asked why he left his original day job to become a screenwriter. And his answer is interesting. It's related to Edward Bernays, actually. Well, kind of. I'd been writing for a Cincinnati television station as a staff writer, uh-huh. which is a particularly dreamless occupation composed of doing commercials, even making up uh, uh, letters of, uh, what do they call it, uh, to plug a product. Somebody has used it. Testimonial? Testimonial yeah. letters. Uh, there, I, as I recall, there was a, uh, a drug, a liquid drug on the market at the time that uh, could cure everything from arthritis to a fractured pelvis. And I actually had to write testimonial letters. And on that particular day, I just had it. So he was spreading prop- corporate propaganda. I mean, that's fraud. Yeah, and that's what Edward Bernays used to boast about. He boasted about pioneering this technique 
in his books that he wrote in the 1920s. Now, I don't know that he really pioneered it. It's probably something that's as old as time, but he very much was an advocate of using it. And I just found it really interesting that Rod Serling went and did the Twilight Zone because he was tired of having to spread corporate propaganda through the use of fake testimonials. But this reminds me of something that I rarely get a chance to point out, but it's – I have no – I don't think we should copyright colors like Tiffany copyrights blue. You there's it really gives a lot of power to the marketing, to the BS of a product to protect it like that. Yeah. Where what should be true, like the way the remedy for false advertising is fraud and damages and people should sue. If you pretend that something is Tiffany, then you should and and you get it and it breaks you should be able to sue the fraudster who sold it to you but dressing it up in tiffany blue if it's not actually tiffany well is that really should that really be a crime or is that just reinforcing the power of deception the power of yeah. associating in your mind a color with quality or what you know what i mean like i just uh, so what he's doing is, in my mind, a crime. Yeah. It, you know what they call it today. You know what he would be called today? A Russian bot. <laughs> well, I don't, I'm not convinced that he that he wasn't an out-and-out propagandist. Well, there's out. some clips here that are definitely make you kind of turn your head a little bit hmm. when you hear what he has to say. Some right. of They're all interesting. But, yeah, that – you know, I didn't even really thought about that. These fake testimonials are like all the – you know, the Amazon – all the fake testimonials that are that are a problem there. Yelp, the fake testimonials have been a huge problem there that they're trying to solve. Oh, people ask you to do it. But, I mean, I don't even mind that. They say that's against it. Like, they say don't solicit Yelp. I actually – I don't know what it was. Was it like Best Buy or somebody was asking me about for a review. It was just like a bot called me and said, did you enjoy your experience? Yeah. And I was like, yes, I did. And they said, we're going to send you a – uh, a survey to your email if you were if you were found the experience to be highly excellent or whatever please fill out the the survey yeah i, I don't you necessarily asking, have a problem with that if people no, like it no but i mean asking people to only fill it out if, if they, they like, like it. it don't do it if they don't like it it's yeah. skews now <laughs> yeah. for their own purposes that's fine but when they ask you to do that for yelp which savvy business people will when you're like oh that was great they're like please fill out a yelp thing yeah they don't tell everybody to do it yeah 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 they don't tell, yeah right yeah but i like that i like that it's that it's totally untrustworthy because well i like yeah like I, there was a while there where it was a really good source of like recommendations for doctors and restaurants and everything yeah but uh i do like that crowdsourced stuff but i do not like enhancing the power of marketing by the government imposing the impression that it has integrity and you then withhold your own scrutiny. Yeah, and what it becomes is the people who have the most money to buy the most fake testimonials can buy Right, so you. it becomes self-reinforcing for the incumbent. Yeah. Just like big tech now calling for regulatory barriers to entry. Ah, yes. It's there. It's that favors the incumbents because once you're, once you have entered the industry, you you don't care if there are barriers. You want the barriers because it keeps others from entering the industry. Yeah. So it always favors the incumbents. So, 
this clip he's asked about the influence of pre-censorship and his answer to this question, the next one, it strikes a tune to what we're seeing happen today and what we're going to see more of especially. Patty Chayefsky has talked about the insidious influence of what he calls pre-censorship. How does that work? Uh, pre-censorship is a practice, I think, of most television writers. I can't speak for all of them. This is the prior knowledge of the writer of those areas which are difficult to try to get through. And so a writer will shy away from writing those things which he knows he's going to have trouble with on a sponsorial or an agency level. We practice it all the time. We just do not write those themes which, you know are going, which we know are going to get into trouble. Yes, self-chilling. <clears throat> I've talked about that before. Yeah, that's what we're going to see on YouTube too. The self-chilling is people are going to people are going to stop putting because we've we've stopped putting content on. I YouTube. completely withdrew from that's YouTube a, the second they gave I, me a strike. I still Screw put them. some content on them. there, yeah, but I, I don't go when I know it's going to be something that's going to get me. Right. I don't I don't put it on there, and that that is one of the purposes that Bernays used to talk about of. These pressure, these, you know, of we don't do overt censorship because that's too obvious. So we need to do these other things that are going to pressure people into some self-censorship. Yeah, the uh, the paradigm glass ceiling or the propaganda glass ceiling where you're simply not going to say anything that isn't going to get you promoted. Absolutely. It's that kind of Overton window in that aspect of it. They control the parameters of it. I'll tell you, people did. I have gotten – I used to get pressure. Now, I, I wonder if I'm like the novelty act at WSB. I don't think so, <laughs> surprisingly. But I used to get pressure from people who cared about me. Oh, really? To, to self-censor. Mm-hmm. Don't say that. I'm like, but that's the truth. We'll say something else. Don't know, talk about it, that. It, and if they can control what makes people uncomfortable and they can – like they've done, conspiracy, va- vaccine, you know, certain topics – even when they're brought up, it makes people shut down. Then they can, they can, in effect, they can control what people say and don't say because if if they say it, they're gonna get. I told back. you my kids. Yeah, you told me about yeah, that. My daughter tells me don't talk about anything like that. My son doesn't, but he says, "But don't be an anti-vaxer." Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's when you know, like, that's the thing. That's it's like nuts. Anything but that. Like, really? But who cares? And I think I was. Right about Gardasil. I'm going to hat tip Austin for that. Uh, he sent me a link or something that was Gardasil, the HPV thing, is the only vaccine I wouldn't give my kids. Yeah. And I think it's bad. And my when I told my my pediatrician that I didn't want it, he told me I was superstitious. I mean, my kids have gotten 48 vaccinations. Jeez. I know. I didn't, I never thought about it. I, I mean, I, I never don't think most people do. And it's, yeah. and then the Gardasil thing though, I just, I said to him, look, it just hasn't been around long enough until we have a whole generation of people who have no fertility problems. I'm not giving you something that's going to interfere yeah. with the health of the reproductive organs. Yeah, you know, yeah. I just, I want to see. It just takes too long for it for something like that. I don't know. I mean, but anyway, I, he he stopped pushing it on me, and so now I'm thinking maybe there is a little like, mm. hmm. yeah. <laughs> you know? 
Yeah, I'm not anti-vaccine. I'm anti anything people try and push on me and then they call you uh, in, uh, a denier if you just ask a question about it. That's what I'm anti. Yeah, yeah. I and, mean, the, and, they, and the vaccine thing was like a self-correcting question. It's like, what? You get the vaccine. You get it, and then you don't have to worry about me. Yeah. I'm like, oh, no, it doesn't work that way. Uh, you can get it anyway because you're bad. So why I get it? Because being near an anti-vaxxer ruins my immunity. It's, it's like just... <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Like, So they're really – that's why they have to go bananas because vaccine independence or vaccine liberty, health liberty, is something that like – it's like, okay, well, forget it. They, they use socialism – to control health. Like, I remember I anticipated this, and Bloomberg actually said it with his own mouth, we are banning sugary sodas because now that we have Obamacare, we are responsible for your health. Oh, wow. So that's another angle that they take to control you. Universal medicine then means they can control everything What did they you. do, like, at the Oscars or something last year? Oh, yeah. Where they, they sent went out around the people and giving them, them shots or something yes. like that? Yes, and it was only to the women because men wear tuxes. That's crazy. It was crazy. I mean, what would you do if someone walked up to you? You're a guest at I an award show no, with a I'm needle. I'm prepared. I'm prepared for that. God. But I, mean, I told my kids, I saw something from the school saying, oh, this doctor is going to be doing free physicals. If you want your child to get their forms for next year filled out, just send them to, you know, let them just sign here and we'll give them a free physical. And I was like, the only thing they haven't gotten is a Gardasil. And I thought, I said to my kids, I'm not signing this. And if anyone tries to put a needle in your arm, say no. And they're like, well, obviously, I want needles. I'm like, but I'm telling you that, that, like, they'll they'll pressure you and you must say no. Yeah. That's nuts. It would be hard to argue that Gardasil is something that you couldn't go to school if you didn't. You know what I mean? Because you have to be sexually active for it to be relevant. Yeah, it's ambush, too. At the, by the schools, by these people yeah. who are just showing up in the crowd to give you. I mean, this is this is vaccine by ambush <laughs> and groupthink. The you know, what if you said no? You're going to get booed by everybody in this crowd. Vaccine, vaccine, vaccine. Everybody will cheer. <laughs> you go, all right, I'll do it. Yeah. It's total groupthink. All right, here's the last last clip I'm going to play of him. Who's the culprit? Is it the network? Sponsor, it sure is not the FCC. Who's the culprit of the the pre censorship? Mm-hmm. Who's the culprit? Is it the network, the sponsor? It sure is not the FCC. No, it's certainly not the FCC. Ideally speaking, of course, it's a combination of culprits in this case, Mike. It's partly network, it's principally agency and sponsor. In many ways, I think it's the audience themselves. How do you mean? Well, I'll give you an example. About a year ago. Roughly 11 or 12 months ago, on the Lassie show. This is a story usually told by Sheldon Leonard, who was then associated with the show. Lassie was having puppies. And I have two little girls, then aged five and three, who are greatly enamored of this beautiful collie. Mm-hmm. And they watched the show with great interest. And Lassie gave birth to puppies. And Mike, it was probably one of the most tasteful and delightful and warm things. Uh, depicting what is this, this, this wondrous thing that is birth. And after the show, I, I think there were many congratulations all around because it was a lovely show, the sort of thing I'd love my kids to watch to show them what is the birth process and how marvelous it is. They got many, many cards and letters, sample card from the Deep South, this was, 
If I wanted my kids to watch sex shows, I wouldn't have had them turn on that. I could take them to burlesque shows. And as a result of the influx of mail, many of the cards, incidentally, as Sheldon tells it, were postmarked at identical moments, all in the same handwriting, but each was counted as a singular piece of mail. And as a result, the directive went down that there would be no shows having anything to do with puppies, that is, in the actual birth process. Well, obviously, it is this wild lunatic fringe of letter writers that, that greatly affect what the sponsor has in mind. Wild lunatic wow. fringe of letter writers. Which was one person. Right. A, like a Russian, somebody creating a bunch of Russian bots? or Yeah. yeah. Also he said one person. Right. And, and he said from the Deep South. Yeah. Okay. Maybe yeah. that was also a fraud. Yeah. That was very, that was a very orchestrated little piece there. First, they both agree that the FCC would never do that. Yeah. And that the corporations are more evil than the government, but it's the people who are the problem. The people, most people want it. I'd like to see that episode. Most people want it, but this one One deep south redneck letter writer ruined it for everybody and and that is bull like now when you see these that aggressive gillette ad that men yeah suck that is not the people demanding no it's not at all <laughs> yeah this also is similar to what groups like sleeping giant and grab my wallet do on twitter on, on the opposite end of that where they are kind of a lunatic fringe on the left that when they don't like a company or a broadcaster, they're going to send this army of quote-unquote Twitter letter writers to ambush them until to, – or to ambush their advertisers until they uh, – kind of like we got kicked off of WordPress, largely because of groups like that. It's one of the – they were attacked by these groups as well. I don't think – no. They set me up. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, there's definitely set up there, but I just mean... Word- yeah, I think that's cover. It, yeah. Maybe. I mean, that is what it would take. These... Y- yes, I think that there are people who respond to those crowds yeah. who think they are the crowds, and then I think there are people like Twitter who who have the agenda above the... that use those those terrorist organizations as cover for what they're planning to do anyway. Yeah, yeah. Those terrorist organizations. Well, they terrorize. I know that's great. That's yeah. awesome. I've never thought of them that way. But yeah. That's what they are. Yeah. They're terrorist organizations. Yes. They really they violate the the policies of Twitter. They kick other people off for bullying and uh, like yep. targeted behavior. And mm-hmm. these groups, this is the only thing they do on Twitter is target people and send attack mobs at them. Yes, and uh, as at least the YouTube criteria under which I was struck. I did not violate, but they do, which is if you're deliberately trying to harass someone for their beliefs or whatever, if you're deliberately trying to harass somebody, then – and they have an exception for public persons, I think. So like me uh, criticizing an elected sheriff on FCC airwaves with evidence – Without any expectation that he was ever going to hear it or be hurt by it, yeah, I did not violate. But those people do. That's what they want. What they want is to call cause damage based on your viewpoints. Absolutely, yeah, and, and, and to incite mobs against you, and to create that self censorship, 
where when people see it happening to yes. other people, it causes other people to not do yes. it. You found that one interesting. I, I want to see. There's one more that I want you to hear. Is pre-censorship, though, involved? Are you simply writing easy? In this particular area, no, because we're dealing with a half-hour show, which cannot probe like a 90, which doesn't use scripts as vehicles of social criticism. These are strictly for entertainment. These are pot boilers. Oh, no. Uh-uh. I wouldn't then, call them pot boilers at all. Well, these are very adult, uh, I think, high-quality half-hour extremely polished films but because they deal in the areas of fantasy and imagination and science fiction and all, all of those things uh, there's no opportunity to cop a plea or, or chop an axe or anything well you're not going to be able to cop a plea or chop an axe because you're going to be obviously working so hard on the twilight zone that in essence for the time being and for the foreseeable future you've given up on writing anything important for television right? yeah for the, well uh, again this is a semantic thing important for television i don't know if by important you mean I'm not going to try to delve into current social problems dramatically, you're quite right, I'm not. What? Everything the about Twilight that Zone was a lie. The My, Twilight yes. Zone? And Mike Wallace says, oh, you're not going to write anything important. It's like one of the most important shows. And it's, it's... It's still on and it's still relevant for its incisive social commentary. I know. Isn't that crazy? That's it's... crazy. That was to get you to be conditioned white. Unaware and unalert yeah. so that it could just wash over you while you were complete. That must be the whole point of science fiction, which I love, but I recognize science fiction is a. They always put themes. Capital, <laughs> yeah, know, and it's like it. it's predictive programming, it's revelation of the method, it's softening you up, but and it is always social commentary. Like somebody pointed out, the least libertarian TV show ever made was Star Trek, and the most libertarian is King of the Hill, which I think is. <laughs> I agree with both of those, but I love Star Trek. I mean, I love it. But, yeah, it's ridiculous. It's a universal federal government. <laughs> yeah. How do you not yeah, want yeah. that? Federation of Planets, yeah. Yeah, I was trying to get him. Like, how can – I was trying to figure out a way to give him the benefit of the doubt. I was like, maybe he's trying to misdirect the censors or whatever right now before he gets on air. But I'm like, man – or maybe he's just trying to misdirect the audience. It's going to be watching it so they're not affected by the themes. I love the original Twilight Zone. I think it's Yeah, brilliant. me too. But why lie like that? I why don't did know. he lie like I that? I don't know the context around that – around what was going he on in that moment. He must have had his marching orders from somebody. It, it, I, I definitely was taken aback when I heard that clip. I mean – Because I was like, that's the opposite. The opposite. I cannot – think i mean star trek was like that too it was just social commentary yeah. it was metaphorical with a lot of like fluffy sex stuff you know? like, yeah, there yeah. Was that too it was and it was it was entrepreneurial in that way like the first biracial kiss and he was an absolute you know intergalactic cad yeah so there was all that but uh but they use science fiction for that all the time and to also paint a fantasy of a better world but in his case i think it was more about identifying weaknesses in the culture which mm -hmm. would prompt which went through with this countercultural mood at the time and you talked about how your students test would indirectly propagate messages like, uh, like – Oh, parse this sentence, Obama was the best president? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what sci-fi shows do. That's too. what, what? That's kind of, I think that's what a lot of television shows do that don't directly propagate things. It's that indirect method, the themes that are underneath, underneath it that uh, are absorbed uncritically because people aren't – they're not seeing it as like a news program or something like that, you know? 
Yes, 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 absolutely. No, I, I, I think that's why he said it that way. But because he was doing that, it makes me think that the message was very important to him, which makes me think it wasn't about him. So that entire show is about what integrity he has, incredible integrity. And now I have concluded that he has a checklist from somebody else who who bankrolled his project yeah. and told him, like, these are the 15 messages we want to propagate. I would agree. I think we are about wrapped up. If you probably got a couple more minutes, if you have any last words. Yeah, we have some some time. Uh, well, happy birthday to you. Oh, thank you. I don't want to ask you how old you are. I'm a millennial in my 30s still. There you go. Well, I'm 40-something, and I always will be. Yeah. yeah. So I'm not really <laughs> that much older than you are. No. <laughs> so did you do anything fun for your birthday? I did an improv show the night before my birthday, Saturday night. My friends threw together a, kind of a last-minute improv show that I did. It was great. It was fun. And is, it, is that fun? I have to come see one of your shows. It is fun. It's fun if you if you're performing. You know, there's lots of different types of improv shows, and, and you want to if you're performing with people that you uh, mesh well with, then it can be fantastic. I had a blast on Saturday because I, I did a show with a couple of my friends, and it's a nice audience, and and you know, we, it, we killed it. Uh, oh, but, really? Yeah, yeah. It Do was... people get to uh, enjoy cocktails in the audience? Oh yeah, absolutely. Are they rot gut cocktails? Are they what rot gut? <laughs> or is it oh, bad quality? Like, it's probably going to depend on your bartender. The type of type of alcohol is there. The quality alcohol is there. And right. Would they let me actually get behind the bar? You would probably need <laughs> to instruct them a little. I would. I would need to tell them. Let just let Monica guide you through. I was doing that. I was in Vegas recently, and I was doing that. It was rather early in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> so the waiter was like, "What?" And I was like, "Ah, oh, this is the drink I want." And New Orleans is even more open to like the breakfast cocktail. Now I'm really sounding like a drinker and I, I do not drink that much. But when you're in Vegas, like the night runs yeah, into the day. Absolutely. And, and it was like a, it was like an alternative to a mimosa. I was trying to explain to the guy. But I was super excited about it because it's so delicious. It's called an old Cuban. And he suggested that I do cocktail making videos. He's like, do you do you do cocktail videos? I mean, obviously, you're super enthusiastic and whatever. So I want to do that. I feel like it's a better way to unwind after a week of reading the damn news. And so I'm thinking yeah. about that. But YouTube I, would definitely allow you to monetize that. Oh, yeah, because I'm just corrupting the youth. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> making entertainment. Right. Entertaining cocktail videos is so much worse than pointing out that an elected official is uh, deceiving us for policy purposes. Yeah. You know, and you could even – you could – do a little bit of the indirect method, and you could name them after like, uh, you know, Operation Popeye. Oh, Operation Mai Tai. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that is what uh, my friend Krista said. Like she said, you should um, put little Easter eggs in for your listeners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had that would be great. Like if I could monetize that, it yeah. would subsidize this because you don't understand. Like I, uh, I was. I I have the I have to get babysitting for everything, so I need to. Oh, I'm always looking at like what. Uh, so if I did that, it would be like a passive source of income, and I would. There you go. A babysitter every week. So, uh, 
Yes, that would be great. And I do like your idea that it would be a nice birthday present for you to, for people to retweet the show. This show. What's the episode number of it? 161. All right. I believe. Yes, 161. I'll, I'll be the first one to do that. And I think you should definitely name the, uh, use some cool names for Easter eggs. We've done that before. I used to have a drink named after me. Really? Years ago. What it was, was it? Called, it was called the Johnny Blastoff, and it was, I don't even remember what it was. Something, it was whiskey mixed with something. I just, the but bar- it have to be whiskey because Jack John is yeah. always yeah, yeah. Kentucky I, bourbon. My friend, he was the Mitch, the, his drink was the Mitch Fuzzy Landstrong. It was like a fuzzy navel with whiskey. Mm hmm. Uh, but yeah. Oh, I wasn't even thinking of inventing drinks. I was thinking of just showing people how to make a great cocktail for your mood, but you're raising the bar on me No, man. no. I mean, just start. <laughs> I don't know how to make drinks. You can be my my drink mixer coach. I like it though. I like the uh, operation Mai Tai. Really? Oh my gosh! No, I'm seriously like this is one thing I've been wanting to do is just Google, like go into Wikipedia and just type in operation. Yeah. And see how many hits come up, and yeah, maybe yeah. I'll just take them off. Like there is an operation cyclone. There's, you know what I mean? Like you could totally. There's. You could probably of- find an operation Mai Tai. You could probably find an operation for every drink. I'm sure you could. All right. Food for thought. Food for thought, my friend. I love secret operation names. Oh, because they're always like – it's like Operation Screw the American People. Right. They're it's just like, – they're, they're unbelievable. It's so ridiculous. Operation Iraqi Liberation. It's like, yeah, yeah. Operation the, Suck Your Fucking Brains Out. Yeah, or something. but the <laughs> Operation Iraqi Liberation, the yeah. acronym was OIL. Oh, my God. Are you Isn't serious? Isn't that – Awful? It's crazy. They changed it, but then there's like Operation Mockingbird. It's like, what's that about? Oh, it's about the press repeating what we tell them to repeat. And what really? does a mockingbird do? That sounds like do? a conspiracy. I'm, I've never even thought about that. I bet a mockingbird mocks. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, it's like it's a parrot. Crazy. Operation Parrot. That's what they called it. <laughs> I'm, They're I'm, so obnoxious. I'm totally gonna spend some time looking up operation names now. Yes, Operation Fast and Furious, and then there's Operation Cash Runner. And they were all cash runner. <laughs> yes, yes, and it was literally about like getting the drug money to fund black ops or yeah, something. It yeah, was yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, funneling that money into dark areas, just like that clip. <sighs> anyway, so yes, maybe I can make a nexus of that of my uh, cocktails and my conspiracy. I was kind of hoping to avoid that though, because I don't want to get demonetized. I want. I've given up on getting monetized. <laughs> Well, I think maybe you can get by the monetization with that because the content's not, you know, it's just a drink. I know, but if I put the Easter eggs in there, look if they're if they're flagging those down, then then they're on our side. Yeah, then, <laughs> they're yeah. not clued in. <laughs> All right, I digress. I digress. This is the time when I start getting thirsty if I start talking about it. <laughs> so, Thank yeah. you for listening, and we will talk to everyone next time. Thank you, Monica. Later.